when it comes to baptism, there's a number of different practices in our world, and throughout church history and tradition, there's a lot of variance uh, in that, but what we practice here at this church is believer's baptism, believer's baptism, and by immersion. Uh, the word baptizo in the scripture means to dip or to immerse, and it comes from uh, the dyeing industry, where they would take a, a white cloth, and then they would dip it into the dye and immerse it completely so it would come out a totally different color than when it went in. And we have so much imagery happening when it comes to baptism. Um, now, the other thing to, to point out here is baptism is a visible word. It's a visible word. It, it's, it, in itself, there's nothing saving in this practice. It's a, a visible word of the gospel. And we have a couple different displays of that. One is believer's baptism. The other is the Lord's Supper. And uh, these are sometimes referred to as the ordinances of the church. Uh, they are called that because they were commanded by Christ, that we practice them regularly. And certainly on the first Sunday of every month, we gather here at the table. That's next Sunday. We'll be doing that. And I'll say more about that next week. But today, what a special day when, when people come and they've uh, been changed by Christ and they've been saved and delivered from their sins. A lot of times... They understand the command of Scripture to, to be baptized. There's a public expression of that faith that is commanded by Christ. And so, in many ways, one of the first, first uh, public acts of obedience is to be baptized. Uh, and so, that's what we're going to be talking about today in baptism. But I want to spend some time thinking a lot about the, 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 the proclamation that we're about to witness together today. These young people are going to be proclaiming a number of things that they are choosing to trust Jesus for. They're trusting Jesus, or in a sense, they're saying, I am united with Christ in all of these different ways. And so, when you think about baptism, a lot of what baptism proclaims is our union with Christ. Uh, we are identifying with his finished work on our behalf. And so, J.I. Packer said it this way, he said, more fundamental to a Christian's identity than any other aspect of salvation is our union with Christ. And so I want to draw out, you can see on the back of your bulletin, a number of points that are going to be proclaimed here by these young people in the waters of baptism, and I just want to spell them out. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. There are other ways that we share in union with Christ. One, one would be our 2 Corinthians study that we're in right now, chapter 1. We share in his sufferings and in the comfort of the Lord. And uh, there's, a, there's a union with Christ in that. Uh, but here I want to draw out how are we united with Christ in these various different ways and uh, what implications then does that have for these young people and for all believers who are trusting Jesus as we go together in celebrating this today. So Galatians 2.20 is the passage that I chose, but I also chose, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 other passages that I just want to, uh, kind of a shotgun blast of Scripture to get the full range of all of this gospel reality that's about to be proclaimed from these young people today. I've been crucified with Christ, Paul says. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. That is kind of the the backbone verse that I want us to, to consider. But first, let's just begin and we'll kind of move sequentially through these things. The first point is that we are united in the obedience of Christ. And as I was thinking about how significant this, this is, many times we, we don't emphasize this aspect of Jesus' work enough. A lot of times we'll, we'll think, well, God sent his son and, and he was born and he lived and then he came and he did his work, right? Like the cross. The reality is, friends, the work of Christ began the moment he began to obey the Father fully. From day one, his work was on. Obedience to the Father. So let's consider this. Romans chapter 5, verse 19 says this way, uh, For as by the one man's disobedience... Now, who, who are we talking about there? Adam, the one man, the kind of the, the, the head of the human race, right? The first man, uh, the one who sinned. And in his sin with Eve... We all fell. Because of his disobedience, the many were made sinners. Okay, so his disobedience, now we are natural-born sinners. We are sinners not because we sin, but we're sinners by instinct. We sin out of who we are. We are rebels at conception, at birth, and by choice as soon as we can. Thank you, Adam, for that. We're going to have a chat someday. (laughs) No, we can't really point the finger, can we? We own it. It's in us, and we we delight to be rebels on our own. Left to ourselves, that is where we go. However, there's something else here. That's not the end of the story. So, through one man's disobedience, the many were made uh, sinners. And so, by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Oh, okay, so we have figureheads now, one of sin and rebellion and the other of obedience, righteousness, and life. The one man you can see, capital M, that's Jesus. He is the second Adam, as they say in in theology circles. It is through his obedience that we, the sinners, the rebels, can be made righteous. This is mind-blowing. It's how important the obedience of Jesus is. God's righteous requirement is that for those who are to be in his presence, they must be holy, pure, righteous. That's bad news for us, friends, because we are not. There is no one in this room Not even these angelic children who are coming today to be baptized. They know they're not perfect. In fact, that's one of the reasons they understand Jesus as a Savior from their sins. We need saving. Otherwise, we fall short of God's holy standard. It says in the Scriptures, if we keep the law and yet stumble at one point, we are guilty of it all. One of the reasons the Lord gave us this book, His Word, is to show us our desperate need for saving. We are sinners. Now, that's not popular in this world, is it? 
You don't hear that enough, and, you, and we should. We should hear it a lot more. I'm not trying to offend people. I'm just calling things the way they are. This is reality, friends. We are sinners, and we are hopelessly lost on our own. We do not measure up to the standard of perfection, which is no sin. But the good news is there is one who did. Jesus. Jesus Christ. The sinless life of Jesus has everything to do with you and hope for forgiveness. Think of this, the command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. We're gone right there. Right? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, every waking moment of your life, he did that perfectly. Incredible. He did what we could never do. He lived the life that we haven't lived nor could on our own. It's because of his sinless life that he was qualified to lay down his life to pay for the sins of others. Now, Jesus, on the cross, as a sinner, is not qualified to take my sin upon himself and pay for mine. He's paying for his own. However, if Jesus is without sin... The plan of God is that he would be the substitute sacrifice and take upon himself the punishment that I deserve for my rebellion, for my sin, and for all who believe in him. As Dan said, we would never have come up with this plan. It's, it's, it's the wisdom of God, the glory of God that devised a plan to save rebellious sinners in love, mercy, and grace from a righteous and holy and wrath-filled God who rightfully should punish every single sinner forever for their infinitely offensive treason against him. Only God can conceive that all of that stored-up wrath could be taken and placed upon his holy and righteous Son and paid in full. That's the gospel. That's the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, this, this is mind-blowing. Why? Because we deserve it? No. But for our sake, in love, He, the Father, made Him, the Son, Jesus, to be sin. He took upon Himself all of our sin. He made the, fa the, the Father made the Son to be sin who knew no sin. It's clear as day. Jesus never sinned. He was righteous and holy and pure and upright. And he loved the Father perfectly in every way, always. The, accomplish, the, the work that was accomplished on the cross means that, that in him, not just did he take upon himself my sin and pay it in full, but now all of a sudden, in him, I might become righteous. This is, this is what's amazing. This is called the great exchange. I exchange all of my dirt and darkness and rebellion and sin, and it's placed upon Jesus. And in its place, I am given all of his obedience. Every time he obeyed, it counts as my obedience. Every time he loved the Lord perfectly, it counts as my love for the Lord 
perfect. We are robed in the righteousness of Christ by faith. By faith. This is incredible. It's it's not just that the, the account is zeroed out. All the offenses are taken out. It's that the credit is given of billions of righteous deeds. That's all Christ's righteousness. Now, it's all ours by grace alone. We can be declared righteous or justified, declared righteous by the Father, and one of the most important aspects of that declaration takes into account the obedience of Christ. All the places I disobeyed, I've now obeyed in Christ. And all of the wrath that I stored up, he has paid in full. And so the Father can, without any restraint, look at me, the sinner, and in Christ through faith, through his finished work, he can declare me righteous. So friends, I'm a saint in Christ. I am holy in him. I am without sin. What he has accomplished in my life is purification, total. And now I'm seeking to live that way, right? That's what sanctification is. It's be who you are in Christ. Stop trying to be that old man, that old sinner. Be holy, be righteous. Live in the life of Jesus Christ that is yours by faith. And so we are united in the obedience of Christ. Point number two, we are united in the death of Christ. United in the death of Christ. And often we, we, we come to this place, the crucifixion, and we understand that it was necessary that he die to pay for our offenses and our sins. I was thinking this morning how significant it is. It wasn't just that, it, that he had to die. You know, he didn't just die in a nursing home of old age. It's that he laid his life down under the excruciating torture of Roman crucifixion. Of all of the points along the way that God could have sent his son into the equation, he chose one of the most brutal, graphic, and public execution times of of world history. And he said that's when the son is to take upon the sin of all who will believe in him and pay it in full. And that's what we can see. What we can't see is all of the spiritual realities of the cross. The Father just pouring wrath upon the Son that I deserved, that we deserved. He took it all instead of us. And so we are united in His death In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, now here's a big word, the propitiation for our sins. That word means uh, the payment of wrath. Uh, He is the the, the wrath-satisfying payment And he paid in his own blood with his own life. That should be my cross. That's my death. I deserve that for my rebellion and sin. So does every sinner. 
But there is a way for forgiveness. And the way is through the death of the Son, Jesus Christ. The righteous wrath of God was poured out. It says in Isaiah 53 that it, that it pleased the Father to crush the Son. Why would that be pleasing to the Father? You've got to really wrestle this through because in our day, once again, we've chosen, I think culturally, we've chosen the love of God to the exclusion of the wrath of God. If you have a God who is unjust and never punishes those who deserve it, is he a loving God? No, he's not. God is all of these things, and it's one of the ways we see his love is that he takes sin seriously. And those who offend his righteous standard receive wrath justly, appropriately, and unendingly because of the nature of the offense. And so when it says it it pleased the Father to crush the Son, there was a goal in view, the accomplishing of salvation in love for us. So if you ever doubt the wrath of God, just look at the cross, right? Just look at the cross. That is the most pointed display of God's wrath the world has ever known, at least at this point. If you ever doubt the love of God, just look at the cross. It's the most pointed display of his love the world has ever known. They're both there, and they both are are woven together in the perfections of God's glory. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's such an important concept to understand. By his wounds, we have been healed. And so we are identifying not only with Christ and his obedience as he walked on this earth, but we're identifying with his death, which when these young people come into the waters of baptism and they share their testimony, I'm trusting in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's my hope alone in this life and the next. And they are then laid back down under the water. Do you see what we're saying? His obedience is my obedience by faith. His death is my death by faith. His burial and his resurrection. Okay, you see where we're going here. This is the visible word of baptism. It's acting out the gospel that these kids believe with all their heart. Hmm. We can be declared righteous through the atonement of Jesus Christ, through the wrath-satisfying payment of Jesus Christ in his death. Now, we are also united with Christ in his burial. We're united in the burial of Christ. And this is a point as well, sometimes we don't bring out enough. I wanted to just draw attention to this. Uh, When we say we believe in, in baptism by immersion, one of the reasons we don't sprinkle is because Jesus didn't have a toe in the grave, right? He was dead for three days. He was completely under the water, as it were. There was no part of him that was left alive. He died totally. 
And he was buried for three days. And so I reminded the kids this morning as I was talking with them, now let's make sure we're going to get you all the way under here, okay? We want to get all of you under the water. And that can be kind of scary when you're young, right? Why is that so important? Because there is nothing that we hold on to of this former life. We're all in with him. Listen to this verse. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so we have this this visible word that speaks of the burial of Christ. After his death, he was buried for three days. And we are saying, "I, I was buried with him by faith. His death was my death. His burial for me in the grave. It's complete immersion. The old self is buried. Uh, these young people are saying they, they have resolved to follow Christ. Right? No more of this life of, of just full-out rebellion and uh, just refusing to acknowledge Him or to obey Him or honor Him. They want to follow Christ with all that they are. The whole self. Sometimes people will come and they'll say, you know, I'm willing to give Jesus my Sundays. But my Mondays are a little different thing. I'll I'll give Jesus this, but not my hobby. I'm going to keep my hobby, you know. There is nothing held back when it comes to the gospel. We're all in. Both feet in the water, all the way under. My old self is dead and gone, buried and in the tomb, and I come up a new creation in Christ. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you, believer, you have died. You have died. The old you has died. The you that was wired to live for now, your best life now, that that you is buried and gone. And your life now Your new life in Christ, it's hidden with Christ in God. I love that phrase. You are hidden with Christ. So when the Father looks at you, He sees His Son in all of that righteousness. Spectacular realities. So we are united in His obedience. We're united in His death. We're united in His burial. And... Thankfully, that's not the end of the story. We are united in His glorious resurrection. Listen to these verses. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him, Jesus, from the dead. The resurrection is the Father's stamp of approval accepted, finished. The resurrection is you're you're the victor over sin and death and Satan and hell. All realities that on our own we are completely helpless to overcome. 
but through Christ, we become victors. We become overcomers over sin and death and Satan and hell. But God, Ephesians chapter 2, listen to these. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Grace being, it's, it's undeserved, it's unmerited favor. He raised us up with Christ. And this will blow your mind. He seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. So we move from rebels, dead in our sins, lost, hell-bound, to sons and daughters, alive, forgiven, righteous in Christ, and seated with Him with rights and privileges and an inheritance. All of grace. All of grace. It's the good news of the gospel. It's what these kids are going to proclaim that God has done for them through Jesus. We are raised to new life in Jesus. Raised to new life in Jesus. There's a, there's a sense of, of purification here in this water. Now this water, it's nice and warm, um, but it's just your standard, you know, Bellingham tap water, which we know is epically awesome, right? There's nothing saving about this water, but there is this reminder, the symbol, really, of baptism that, that the purification for my sins has happened. I am, to, I am to be raised to newness of life and to walk as I carry the name of Christ now, not in sin, in the dark, in rebellion, but in obedience, representing him in love, displaying the, the kind of person that Jesus is to the world. I'm a new creation. Think of this. When you are in Christ, the deepest thing about you at your core identity is no longer sin. It's the righteousness of Christ. So if you were to dig to the very core of you, the deepest part of your soul, guess what you would find there, believer? Obedience, purity, Holiness, Christ. I have been crucified with Christ such that I can say, it's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. He's in me through his spirit. He lives in me. And this life I now live in the flesh, in this sinful and fallen and broken and dark place, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of the joys of the Christian life is that obedience doesn't have to be begrudging or boring. Obedience comes out of the overflow of joy. It's freedom, freedom to obey, freedom to love him and run after him, represent him, tell everybody what he's done. That's why these kids are so excited to come to these waters. Now, there's a couple other things that I just had to point out. Because our union with Christ is, is not just vertical. There's a horizontal aspect to this union that we have with Christ. And I would say it this way. We are united with the body of Christ. The church. 
It's why we don't typically do baptisms like this in, in some you know, river with only a couple people there. Now, if we were going to do it in a river, we'd invite all of you, right? This time of year, that'd be cold. We've done baptisms outdoors, Lake Whatcom and all of that, but the, the goal is to, to, to celebrate this proclamation with the church, with the church. I'll show you this connection here. Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So the body of Christ is referred to as the church. The, the church is the body of Christ, of which he is the head and her savior. Hmm. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. You see, he's saying all the diversity comes together into one unity. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now you, believers, you are the church. You're the body of Christ and individually members of it. I love this. We have a community, a common unity that pulls us together, and that is Christ. But here's what's great. We don't have to all be exactly the same. You're called to be you as a part of this unity. And so we have distinction and differences and backgrounds and giftings that differ, but unity. We're, we're one body to function in that unity that we have in Christ. So we have a common unity. We have a common purpose. What is the common purpose that we are called to? It's the Great Commission. Think about this. It's the, the Great Commission to go, carry this good news, to be holy, to shine bright, and to tell every single person we can what Jesus has done about the love of the Father. The other thing I love about it on a day like today is we're a celebrating family. We're, we're a family that can come and celebrate with these kids. So I would ask you, from the heart, recognizing the supernatural miracle of God's sovereign grace that has been accomplished in these young people. When they come up out of the water, don't yawn. This is not just, oh, that's great. This is shout, sing, celebrate. You know, if you're a cowboy out there, you do your, your yeehaw. <laughs> I won't even try. We're a celebrating family. If I'm going to be baptized anywhere, where do I want to be baptized? The, my family, my church. They're celebrating what God has done. And here are these kids. These are, these are brave kids, right? This takes courage. And so we're going to celebrate when they come up out of the water, proclaiming that they are new creations in Christ, what He has done for them. This is the proclamation of that. Last, we are united under the Lordship of Christ. I love this part. 
So we are not only in union with him and woven together with one another, but we are together under his lordship. We have a purpose as we live. Listen to some of these verses. As Jesus came, he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's significant. All authority. The Father gave the Son all authority in heaven and on earth. He is Lord over it all. And then he says to us, right? He he says to us, go. Go, therefore. In that authority, I am commissioning you. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Go to the ends of the earth. Now, look what comes right after that. Make disciples, that includes evangelism, conversion, and then training up, right? But it also includes this very specific command, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to obey, right? We're we're teaching, teach these disciples who are trusting in Christ for all their life and their future and have been baptized. Teach them to obey, to observe everything that he has commanded. (laughs) Here's the great comfort. We're not alone in this. Behold, I am with you always, right here today. The presence of Christ is with us, even to the end of the age. What an amazing commission that is. We have a sovereign king, my friends. We have a sovereign king. One of the realities of salvation is that you understand that your life has radically changed. Your priorities, the things that you used to get up and and drive through the day to accomplish, those things have changed because you have a king now. You have a sovereign king who loves you and seeks your best, but also he is Lord over your life. He's not just Savior. He's calling you to obey him. And one of the ways we do that is in baptism, right? I want to obey him as not just Savior, but Lord of my life. Listen to this verse. You are not your own, Christian, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Oh, what a great statement to remind yourself, believer, in the morning. Jeremy, you are not your own. Well, whose am I? I'm his. I'm his. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What's the assignment then? Glorify God. Glorify God. Awesome. There's a lot of talk about identity these days. And honestly, there's a lot of confusion about it. We live in a culture that's obsessed with identity. The problem is, is no one is, is, is speaking reality into that question. The Word of God does. The Word of God does. You want to know who you are? Look up. Look up. There is a God who made you. 
He has created you for far more than sin and death and darkness. And He has provided a way for you to be set free, to literally be made new. And when that takes place, you're His. You are His. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which have been prepared beforehand by the Father. Christian, your identity is in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in your union with Christ. It shapes everything about who you are. And so these kids who come, that's their declaration today. I'm His. I'm His. My life is His. My days are His. All that I own is His. My plans, my future, my dreams. Every breath I draw, it's from Him. I exist for His glory. Period. Period. So our response this morning. What can we learn from what we're about to witness? I'll just ask these questions. Are you trusting in the obedience of Christ today? Are you trusting in His atoning death and burial for you? It's, it's, it's not enough to know about it, friends. You need to make it your own. Are you trusting Jesus for your sin to take it and deal with it and then bury it? Are you trusting in His resurrection, His victory over sin and death and hell and Satan? Are you partnering with His church and embracing the great commission He's given? Sometimes people say, well, I'm all, all about Jesus, but I don't care a thing for His church. And I'm like, well, that's the hatred of his body. That's like saying, Jeremy, I love you. I just can't stand your wife. You know, that's offensive to Jesus. That's not love for Jesus. So partner with his church. Embrace the Great Commission. Love his people. And joyfully bow to his sovereign lordship. All of these things, these kids have said, we're, we're all in for I want to do that. Are you all in? We live in a day where there's a lot of there's a lot of talk. But what about when it comes time to commit? Right? You can investigate for a while, I get that. You can observe from a distance, but at some point along the way you've got to make a decision. Where do I stand with Jesus? What is my life most defined by? Where am I placing my trust? What happens when I die? Where is my confidence? Why do I get up in the morning? Are you all in? Some of you may be here today and you're, you're out in the wilderness and you're, just, you're in rebellion and you know it and, and, and you're tired of that. I just tell you, it's no fun, is it? Oh, there may be some short-lived joys. But at the end of the day, you go to bed and your soul is starving. And you know it. Some of you may be here and you're, you know, pop into church from time to time. You see, you see the tank, but you're like, oh, I, I don't know, not really there. Some of you may have a toe in the water. Right? Oh, I kind of think, I just, I just don't want to jump all in. I'm mean, just put one foot in. 
Test the temperature. You have to be all in. You have to be all in. He's calling for all of you. Not just your Sunday, not just some of your heart. He says we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The way to go all in is to say yes to Jesus. Turn from your sins. Turn from the wilderness of wandering and rebellion and just come and say, Lord, I need you to save me. Take my sin and pay for it. I'm trusting you as Savior and Lord. Save me. Set me free. Show me how to live. That can happen today. That can happen today, right here in this place. Be all in. Nothing back. Hold nothing back. Decide to follow Jesus today. I I just pray that 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 will just be impressed on your heart, even as you hear these kids give their testimonies and proclaim the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. I thank you for all that you have accomplished in the sending of your son. Think just mind-blowing of of how many different ways you have shown your grace and your mercy to us. I thank you for the obedience of Christ. I thank you for his death and his burial and his, his resurrection on our behalf. I thank you that you have given us a home, a family, a, a, a people to belong to, and a mission, a purpose to live our lives for. And thank you that you call us not just to know you as Savior, but to bend our knee, to, to bow to you totally as Lord of all. Lord, I pray if there's any here today who have yet to do that, that today would be the day that even now you would just stir in their hearts, open their eyes to see the love of a Savior in Jesus. See hope and life and forgiveness there. Call their hearts to life, we pray. Give them what they need to run to you, O God, and embrace you as King Savior and Lord. We give praise to you and thanks. All glory goes to you for what you've accomplished with these young people. And now, Lord, as we come to the waters of baptism, we just pray that you would uh, encourage these kids, calm their nerves, and seal this memory for them as a special day where they took a stand for Jesus and held nothing back. They're all in, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first young man today is James. I got your hand, man. This is a little, okay, you got it. James Spolstra, how are you, man? How's that water? It's good? Okay, stand up right here. His dad, Ryan, he wants to share a few words. Actually, I'm going to share a few words for him, okay? Okay, James, face all these folks out here. Oh, man, you're a brave dude. Okay, James says this. I don't want to live my life in sin, in the sinful nature anymore. I want to live for God. I want to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross for me and paid the punishment for my sins. And then he put down these verses. It says, The Father loved the Son and has given all things into his hand. 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And James, we're praising the Lord that, that you love the Son, Jesus Christ. All right, good job on that, on that story, that testimony. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you turn and, and have a seat. Okay. Yeah, you're pretty comfortable in the water, aren't you? All right. So James, I want to ask you a really important question here. Have you trusted Jesus, turning from your sin, trusting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Yes. Okay. On the basis of that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. All right. You can give your dad a hug right there. Yeah, give him a big hug. (laughs) Good job, man. Okay. That's good. I love it. I love it. A special thing when you you hear from parents. A lot of times they'll text or call. One of our children was saved by God last night. We're just praising him. And that is the miracle of miracles, friends. A child brought to life forever in the power of God. So let's see, Emily Lickle. Why don't you come, Emily? All right, let me help you up here. Hold on that railing. How you doing, Emily? Okay, Todd. All right. So here, just turn and face these, these folks. You're such a brave kid, I tell you. All right. So Emily says this. The separation from God and myself is sin. When I was four years old, I read the Bible stories with my dad that said sin separates us from God. When sin separates us from God, we go to hell because we need to pay for our own sins. If we walked up to the doors of heaven and God asked, do you deserve to be in heaven? The answer is no, because we have disobeyed God. The solution for our sins is Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross for our sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When Jesus was on the cross, he was taking my sins while he was giving me his righteousness. We've got a theologian here. (laughs) Great job writing this. Oh, and the end. That's always important. (laughs) I love it. Great job on that, Emily. Why don't you turn here? Todd, come on over, man. Okay. I'm so excited about how God's working in your life, Emily. And I want to ask you this really important question. Have you turned from your sins to trust Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, your treasure? Is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Come on in here, Tom. Okay. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. Good job. Good job. All right. There you go. Good. All right, man. Boy, God is so good. 
Annabelle, come on out. All right, Annabelle Hardenbrook. I love the shirt. He is greater than I. That's great. And Troy, her dad, and Stephanie, her mom, the whole cheering section down here, right on. Okay, and Annabelle, you wanted to read this, correct? Okay, so if you hold it, I'll hold the mic for you, and you just shout it out there. turn Annabelle have a seat there okay Annabelle I want to ask a real important question have you turned from your sins to trust Jesus as your savior your lord your treasure and have you made him your hope alone in this life and the next okay good based upon your profession of faith we now baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit okay ready buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in Him. All right. Congrats. There we go. Good. Awesome. Okay, Hadassah. Come on out, Tony. Mom, make sure you come get some pictures. Okay. Come on in. I'll give you a hand here. Yeah. There you go. And Tony, if you want to come around the front. Yeah, it's warm, isn't it? Not bad. You can just stand up right here. Yeah, right. Oh, there you go. Okay. It's not too bad. Just stand up and then face those folks out there. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you said you wanted me to read this for you. Is that right? Oh, yeah, Tony. Okay. There you go, man. You want to just come on this side? Then we get our, our pictures all the same there. Okay, stand up right there. There you go. Good. Uh, Hadessa's mom and I are so blessed that uh, this, of course, we have two children. Uh, we did this with Judah, too. She was able to participate and watch uh, our son make the commitment, uh, a public commitment to, that we're going to follow Jesus. And same thing with, with Hadessa. And uh, we, uh, we worked out this testimony this week. It was totally her idea, her her writing everything, um, and uh, it's funny because she's she's such a good little girl. She's so uh, you know uh, submissive and everything. But this week was kind of a rough week for her, and God showed her how desperately she needs Him in her life. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So here's her testimony. I learned this verse at VBS, Romans six thirty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Mm. I sin against God 
by fighting with my brother and not listening to my parents. That's why I need Jesus to forgive me. I know I will sin again in the future, but Jesus will always give me a second chance to live again. And I'm thankful for that. Hmm. Amen. Amen. That's great. I can take that. It is amazing how we can have forgiveness through him, isn't it? Okay, Hadassah, why don't you turn and just have a seat right here. And Tony, come on in. Okay, I'm going to ask you this really important question that we talked about. I want to just check and and make sure that you've uh, turned from your sin to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and your treasure, and that he, Jesus, is your hope alone in this life and the next. Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, I think we've got one more. Young man back there, Lincoln Groon, come on up, man. Oh, man, Lincoln has had a bit of a cough, but he didn't want to miss this today, so we decided to have him go last. (laughs) And it's always hard going last, isn't it? But you can do it. You're doing great. You ready? All right, all right, man. I got your testimony here, and uh, I'm trying to remember... Uh, did you want to read this yourself? You want me to read it or your dad? I can't remember what you said. You want me to read it? Okay. All right. Well, I'll yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll read it for you. You just face out there and look at those folks out there. Okay. All right. Lincoln says this. On December 3rd, 2016, when I was four years old, I was talking with my mom before bed and wondering where my grandma Jeannie went. When she died, my mom said, she's in heaven with Jesus. Then I said, I want to go there too. So my mom started telling me the gospel, that we were all sinners and that we deserve hell. But there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin. And he was buried for three days and rose again back to life. I told my mom, I do believe that. And I do want to follow Jesus. And I put my trust in Jesus and started following him. I want to be baptized today because I've been a Christian for three years, and I started learning that it was commanded by Jesus to be baptized in the Bible. I saw my friend James was doing it too, and had just gotten over my fear of putting my face in the water. And I wanted to get baptized to show others that I am a Christian. My favorite verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Great job on that, Lincoln. It's a good word, man. This guy, he, he gave me a sermon. When I was interviewing him in there, he walked me right through it all. I didn't even hardly ask any questions. It was good. You might be a preacher someday. Well, Lincoln, why don't you turn, man? Have a seat right here. Okay, good. Come on in here, Cam. 
Okay, so Lincoln, I'm going to ask a real important question. I want to ask if, if you have turned from your sin to trust Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, and your treasure, and is he your hope alone in this life and the next? Yes. Okay. Based upon your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, you ready to plug that nose? Okay. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to new life in him. Yeah, all right. That's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God is good. Let me pray and uh, then kind of feel like singing, don't you? All right, let's pray. Lord, we give thanks and praise to you for each and every one of these young people. Thank you for your work in their lives, for your grace. Oh, so lavish is your love. We thank you for the way that you have provided for sinners to be forgiven and that you brought us into your family, all of grace. Jesus Christ, we make much of you as our Savior, our Lord, our treasure, our joy, and our hope alone in this life and the next. And we sing now to your glory, and we're going to sing forever for that as well. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.